When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. I'm Leon Dreisaitl, and this is Oilers Radio 6.30 Chad. There's 15 from the right circle, and Leon Dreisaitl is being mobbed. I'm Zach Cassian, and this is Oilers Radio. Dan Cassian, vicious left hook, and a chopping left as well. Big left hook. All game. Rebound score. All season. McDavid left circle. One timer clip up score. I'm Oscar Clefbaum. James Neal. Dejari Kara. I'm Connor McDavid. I'm Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And this. What a sprawling stop by Koskinen. The greatest city in the world. McDavid shot score. The greatest fans on the planet. The game Getting you ready for another season of Oilers hockey on 6:30 Chad season opener tomorrow. Six o'clock face-off show game at eight on Saturday, the LA Kings at Rogers Place, 6.30 face-off show, game once again at 8. And of course, on Friday, we have the Edmonton Eskimos visiting Hamilton. Eskimos 7-7 seven and seven on the season after breaking a four-game losing streak in Ottawa on Saturday. Friday's countdown to kickoff is at 3.30 in the afternoon, and the game will start at 5. And somebody who's going to be keeping a very close eye on that Eskimos game is Taylor Kilgore. Taylor, welcome to Inside Sports. You're on with Reed. How are you doing? Hi, Reed. Thanks for having me. It is great to talk to you. And, uh, man, what a unique perspective you're going to bring because, of course, you are a, a sports anchor at KKTV in Denver. So I'm sure we'll talk a little right. Broncos and Avs. But, of course, uh, your brother is uh, quarterback for the Eskimos, Logan Kilgore. Yes, what, did, you, did you get to watch the game in Ottawa on Saturday? Oh, I sure did. And let me tell you, that was a fun one to watch. Happy to get that win. <laughs> You know, uh, we're we're getting to know Logan a little bit. Um, tell us a little bit about though him as uh, him when you guys were kids. Was he always uh, the jock, always the quarterback, or what was he like? You know, he was. I mean, sports were huge in our family, no doubt about it. My dad was a coach. I played basketball my whole life, and so yeah, it was kind of our thing. And you know, from a very young age, he it was just known he was going to be a quarterback, and. He always had a great arm and, you know, a love for the game and kind of a mind for football. And so, um, yeah, growing up, that was just his thing. And so it's just been one of the greatest joys watching him and, you know, from level to level and still playing to this day. It's been a lot of fun and to be part of different teams over the years. And, of course, this time in Edmonton, he has been so happy there. And so, uh, yeah, it. Couldn't ask for much more there. <laughs> now, when he told you and the rest of the family, okay, I'm going to go to the Canadian Football League, yeah. was that kind of like, what, you're going where? Or did you have a pretty fair knowledge of what the league was all about? Well, you know, we didn't. And so, yeah, obviously the CFL has a lot of um, 
we know about it because we're sports fans and it has a, a lot of respect down here in the States. And so, yeah, we knew about it, but the rules and uh, the size of the field and that kind of thing, it was kind of fun to see the differences. And I'm personally a huge fan of it because I just love how fast the game is. Uh, obviously, being a quarterback sister, I love you know, the passing game, big time passing. And so I think it's a lot of fun, but um, it's definitely been a learning journey for all of us. And we've definitely converted quite a few um, sports fans down here just following Logan. I mean, so many people that we know now follow the CFL because of him. So it's been a lot of fun. So last season when he wasn't playing, did you get yeah. the sense? Oh, I think he's. I think he's going to go back. Or were you thinking? Oh man, I think my. I think my bros put the playing days behind us. <laughs> well, you know what's so funny? Um, being a quarterback, you know, naturally he wants to be a coach someday, and he would love to start. And that's what he did last year. He was kind of like, okay, you know, I had a great run, loved my time in the CFL. I'm lucky to have the years I have, but he was excited to get his coaching career started. And so it was kind of funny because we had kind of shifted thinking, okay, you know, now he's coaching. Perfect. And then he gets the call from Edmonton and it was just like everyone in his life told him, Hey, you know, if you have the opportunity to keep playing, you got to do it. And he, I'm so glad that he has, because, um, like I said, watching him play is one of my favorite things to do ever. And so we're just so grateful he had the opportunity. And, you know, he's doing pretty good, got to say. <laughs> well, I, I, I said this about uh, about Logan yesterday on the show. Like he, he, you know, obviously he hadn't been playing as, as much as the starter, Trevor Harris. So he doesn't you right. know, obviously know the offense as well. He doesn't have Trevor's CFL experience but I, I i give logan credit like he doesn't go away he doesn't slump his shoulders he doesn't like some quarterbacks oh, you no. can tell they get hesitant or they're not running the play because they're afraid it's not going to work like he, he keeps throwing yeah. punches well let me tell you something about my brother he is one of the toughest guys i know and as a fellow athlete something i respect about his approach the sport since he was a very young kid was you are going to get the same guy on the field in practice on the field in the game off the field in the grocery store like he is a very positive person by nature and he's a competitor to the core um i know he's shared with you guys up there that he was a big brett Favre fan growing up and that's about the understatement of the century because let me tell you, there was a point where I think my brother thought he was Brett Favre at a very young age. <laughs> and he's just, he's that guy. He is never, I don't care what is going on in the game. You are never going to see him slump his shoulders. He will compete to the last whistle, no matter what the circumstances. And he just loves the game. And so I think that's why a lot of people enjoy watching him play and he has so much respect from his teammates over the years from locker rooms all over the place because he brings that energy and that excitement to the game that you know sometimes you don't see from guys especially when they're facing adversity but I think we saw in that Hamilton game he's not afraid to compete with some adversity <laughs> yeah for sure man that was turned into be a, a, a tense one wasn't close early Taker, uh, Taylor Kilgore joining crazy, us from yeah. KKTV in Denver what about a little bit about your athletic background you played NCAA basketball yeah. and then did some other stuff I did yeah I grew up playing basketball and I played in college which was um you know, always the goal for me. And I was very fortunate to have that time. And, you know, naturally I, I didn't have the coaching gene. And so I wanted to stick it, stick around sports. Cause like I said, that's 
kind of the way we were raised and I love being around the game and so for me you know I enjoyed being interviewed and so it was kind of a natural progression to you know be on the other side of the camera and start uh, getting into sports broadcasting so I've been really lucky to continue to be around locker rooms and sports my whole life and yeah so now I'm talking sports professionally we talk sports at home and I'm watching my brother from the couch my husband's a college basketball coach so we have a lot of sports in our family, Reed. Well, a lot that, of sports that's, on the that, dinner table. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Well, and a lot of sports to talk about yeah. in Denver. I mean, I mean, you have yeah. all the uh, the big four there. You have a team in all four major professional sports. Though I, I got to ask yeah. you this, and you know, I've interviewed I interview people from Denver from time to time to talk about the Avalanche and stuff. I get mm-hmm. the sense that perhaps the the Nuggets aren't as uh, beloved or as followed as as the other three, or or what's the situation well, there. Here's the thing. We're a little spoiled in Denver because, you know, we've had some championships here and obviously the Avs have had some success. And so the Nuggets haven't had those big championship years yet. But let me tell you, you're going to want to watch them this year because they made a move last year in the Western Conference, but they just started training camp today. And this team is has their eyes on the big trophy. So they got a lot of young talent. They're super fun to cover. So, yeah, you know, this will always be Broncos country predominantly. The Abs are a close second. And then you got the Nuggets and the Rockies really right there, too. So a great sports town. You really can't complain there. Um, But this town loves trophies. So right now with the Broncos 0-4, we're in a little uncharted territory right now. Well, (laughs) I I think everyone's looking forward to the Abs season opener <laughs> well i was i was gonna ask you about that that broncos yeah. record I, I i mean i know what it's like to talk to uh uh disgruntled or just sad <laughs> fans uh doing oilers uh, oh, game shows like how or, or was this maybe ex- expected that the broncos wouldn't be that great no. like what's it like no really not expected at all you know ever since they won uh the super bowl and 2015 ever since they haven't been back to the playoffs so every year I mean we've cycled through I don't know how many starting quarterbacks and a couple of different head coaches because no they don't expect um this is a play a winning uh, expectation 100 percent, especially when you're talking about the Denver Broncos so yeah 0-4 it's pretty crazy because you know I, I cover this team every day and they are not an 0-4 team by the looks of it they really aren't they have a ton of talent uh, and they've just had some really tough outcomes. Like, at the end of the day, the way that they've lost some of these games comes down to luck, and it's just been a little crazy. So hopefully the ties are turning. They're on the road this weekend. But, um, yeah, we need some winning in that locker room because you talk about disgruntled fans. Well, those players, they are not happy when they're losing, let me tell you. <laughs> Taylor, the Avalanche got into the playoffs last season. I mean, they won what we were calling here in Edmonton the the Turtle Derby for the final playoff spot because a lot of teams weren't doing very <laughs> well to get in the wild card race. Colorado got it and then won a round and then went to Game 7 in the yeah. second round. Two incredible young players in Ranton and, and McKinnon. Uh, how's yeah. the rest of the roster shaping up? Maybe a couple uh, key moves from the offseason that you think might affect the team either way. Yeah, you know, time will tell, but I know that everyone is very excited for Thursday. That's their season opener. So we're just excited to see this group back out there. It was um, last spring was pretty nuts in Denver because we were juggling playoffs on the ice, playoffs in the NBA as well. So it was a ton of fun. We were up at 
you know, they play at the same uh, arena, the Pepsi Center in Denver, the Avs and the Nuggets do. So we were trading days with playoff games. So you really can't complain there. But I do expect big things for the Avalanche this year, this season. I know they expect a ton of themselves. And as you mentioned, they have a ton of talent. So it'll be interesting to see. But season opener coming up Thursday. So ready or not, hockey season this year. All right. Well, and then you're free Friday to watch uh, Logan and the Eskimos play. Hey, Taylor, this was, thing. <laughs> this was uh, cool to get to know you a little bit, a little bit of a different perspective on a, on a member of the Edmonton sure. Eskimos. Uh, we'll have to touch base again. Thank you so much for checking in tonight. Thank you, Reed. Great talking with you. That is Taylor Kilgore from KKTV in uh, Denver, covered on a few topics there. Logan Kilgore, her brother, now the starting quarterback for the Edmonton Eskimos with Trevor Harris on the shelf and uh, telling you a little bit about the Denver sports scene. And I'm sure it's uh, miserable from a football standpoint in that city with the Broncos sitting there at O. and 4. Hey, the Seahawks play uh, Thursday night, eh, Kellen? They do. Yeah, we'll be updating the score while we're doing the show here. Playing the, playing the La Rams. The Larums. Larums? Larums. That sounds better. Straight from the 1980s, the Los Angeles Rams. You can reach out, 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. We are going to have former NHL linesman Mike Civic on the show after the 730 News, his take on the Evander Kane suspension for abusive official. Back after the break. Pleasure to have you tuning in tonight. National League Wild Card Game, fifth inning. Brewers leading Washington 3-1. 3-1 in the top of the fifth. Brewers are currently batting. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. So, Kellen, I don't know if you remember this earlier in the summer. We have a uh, texter who writes in named Bacon Man. Mm-hmm. Great handle. He doesn't like when uh, Eskimos games are scheduled. Right. The times, the days, all that kind of stuff. I remember that. I got, well, he, he dropped us a, a note tonight. He is he has uh, put in two questions that I can answer yes or no. Okay. Any insight into the 2020 CFL schedule? Are we still going to see these horribly scheduled game times? No. Yes. Those are my answers in order. I think he thinks all games are horribly scheduled. I should get him Randy Ambrosi's number. Well, not that Ambrosi makes the schedule. It's not like the commissioner of the league is making the schedule. Could be worse. We could be scheduling games at midnight. Well, we could. Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, this this Friday's game is at 5? It's yep. in Hamilton? East Coast, so that's, what, 7 o'clock on East Coast? So. I have a... Uh, oh, I've, I've lost this text. Somebody was asking why the, the Oilers game is at 8 on Wednesday. That is for television. A, a lot of scheduling is done for television. Yes. So the Oilers game is part of the Wednesday night hockey doubleheader. So there's a game at 5 and a game at 8. Don't most, forget. Most Oilers weekday games will indeed start at 7. Most S- of them. Super cool opening ceremonies for tomorrow, so everybody get to your seats early to catch all that. Who told you that? Oh, I've worked so many of these, I just... A little birdie told me. All right. This is for the Oilers game or for the early game? Uh, for the uh, Oilers game tomorrow. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be something. Yeah. I, I hope it's a super dogs, quite frankly. <laughs> I hope it's dogs on ice. <laughs> <That's>... 
Uh, hey, Reed, are you doing the mystery player again this year? There will be a mystery player. I will, I will give it out tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But we will have the mystery player. We'll have a lot of the same fun stuff. We're going to have the Japanese. Some things will be different. We'll have the Japanese Village Goal Light. That'll be back. Yes. On uh, Overtime Open Line. You can text uh, 630-630. I, I, quite frankly, I, I'm not a fan of the 8 o'clock games. Now, when they travel, it's a necessity if they travel to the West Coast. Yes. I mean, the games, should, the games, I think, should start at 7 o'clock local. And am I thrilled at the start time of every Eskimos game? Well, no. But, you know, some, there might be one or two home games on a Thursday. There might be a couple games that start on at 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. I get it. But you're, you're not going to please everybody. And, and, again, television has a huge, huge, huge impact in how sports are scheduled, whether you like it or not. And the Eastern time zone because it has a large percentage of the population in Canada, the United States, has a lot of impact as well. Yep. So we got to remember that. It could be like SCTV. Everything could be Thursdays at 9. Remember that? <laughs> every, every show, every, uh, uh, every show starts Thursday at 9. Uh, Murr says, uh, it sounds the same as the fellow on Twitter. He complained about the CFL having a triple header on a Saturday, and then he says the NFL is so much better, even though all of their games are triple headers on Sunday. CFL haters are just haters. That's from Murr, the Stamps guy. Mike texting in. Says, I have a weird sense of humor, so here I go. It's the night before the Stanley Cup in oil country, before the Cup run next spring, and the Cup parade down Jasper Avenue. No more preseason. This is the real deal. Get your jerseys before they're all gone. Ha ha. Hopefully this would bring a chuckle. I think he wanted me to read that like night before Christmas. I just realized that as I was... I don't think I can get the cadence down. Not on October 1st. Maybe Send me that in December, Mike, and I'll read it properly. Or just call in and read it yourself. We gotta get through Halloween first. I I ruined Mike's joke. I'm a terrible human being. That's like those places that put out the Christmas decorations, like, now. Maybe that's not even what he meant. Uh, Cam says, good evening, Reed. Not trying to be a negative Nelly. Okay, I'm going to stop you right there. You you don't have to say that. (laughs) You can just... If you want to write something negative or critical, you don't have to say not trying to be a negative Nelly. Uh, He says, but as we have seen in the past, with the plethora of talented coaches and management in their own opinion, what happens in two years... If this latest incarnation of smart hockey people and this management group can't deliver, then what? Have we tried almost every angle with just as as much experience as we could hopefully dream of? And if that doesn't move the needle, then what? Scotty Bowman and Gandhi to guide them? Uh, Well, not Gandhi. He's dead. Then they'll hire new people, Cam. What do you think's going to happen? I mean, we've been down this road before. You lose, you keep trying. And the Oilers have been trying for a long time. This texture says, are the Oilers already mathematically eliminated from the playoffs? The answer is no. 31 teams tied for first right now.
All right, Eskimos play on Friday. Oilers get going tomorrow. It is expected to be the NHL debuts for both Gaetan Haas and Joachim Nygaard played in Europe last season. Here's GM Ken Holland. You know, the, the people that we can really skate, he's, he's on the forecheck. Um, he was, I think, second or third in the, the Sweden Hockey League uh, in goals scored. Goals, uh, not points, goals. Um, and certainly he's a free player, so that's why there's lots of interest. Anytime you can, you don't have to trade an asset. You know, he comes in on an entry-level contract. It's, uh, you know, it's two-way. There's no risk. There's no, there's, there's, there's no, there's no draft picks. You're not trading a player. You're not picking up. You're, so it was, uh, and and he's and he, in, in a league that uh, skating and speed um, are important. Um, he's got those those skills. Now we're gonna see. And then on on Gaetanhaz, um, I was at the World Championship in 2018 not this year but but a year ago um, watched him play three four times we kicked tires uh, with uh, his agent at that time he had another year to go in his contract right. he couldn't get out of his contract he had, to, he had to play 18 yep. 19 in the in the um, Swiss League and he became free and he wants to come over now and try to take a run at uh, becoming an NHL player I didn't go to the worlds but uh, talked to a few people had a few people that were over there look at him and and liked him and uh, same situation as is Nygaard there's no there's no risk I mean there's no assets uh, it's a two-way contract contract he uh he's got a great situation in switzerland if things don't work out here uh but he's the right shot center iceman they're hard to find i thought the last couple of games uh he looked pretty good he's he stepped up a little bit and i talked to him you know he, he said to me it's it's hockey it's the same sport but it's not the same game he's played on a biggest sheet of ice his entire career and you go to a smaller sheet there's more scrums there's more there's more body play um, I think uh, he's it's gonna take a little bit of time but uh, I thought he put good in Calgary now 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 Bob at the end of the day you know preseason gives you a little snapshot but the reality is the NHL right. regular season tomorrow night's different than what we saw the last three weeks so some of this stuff turned could be fool's gold and we got yep. we got to watch we got to watch games because now you know in preseason you're seeing half NHL rosters you're seeing half American League rosters the major league players that are they're just sort of going through some of them are going through the right. the, the routine to get themselves ready for open night Tar- starting tomorrow night you know it's it's a playoff game tomorrow night it's, it's you, have, you play 82 game playoff games to try to qualify for the playoffs it's a it's a big it's a big game tomorrow night a divisional game and when the game's over we we get we gear ourselves up for another big game on Saturday well there's GM Mike or Mike our next guest is Mike. We'll get to him in a second. Ken Holland on Oilers now with Bob Stoffer earlier today. A good clip there talking about Nygaard and Haas, and, and I loved what he said there, and we're going to bring in former NHL linesman Mike Civic. Uh, I love that clip there, Mike, where he said Gaetan Haas comes over from Switzerland, and he says it's the same sport, but it's a different game. <laughs> you probably saw players coming up for junior or uh, Europe. You had a unique view as a linesman, and you probably saw them trying to adapt to that early in their careers. Oh, yeah, you can see, you know, the difference, you know, the, the, the bigger ice surfaces and stuff like this. But, uh, you know, I want to just thank Kenny Holland for uh, giving me the GM job of the Edmonton Oilers now. I just I want to know when I get paid. <laughs> Well, I think the salary is okay, but it comes with a lot of stress, and it's a little thankless. So, <laughs> I'm used to that. Yeah, as a linesman, you're easily used to that without the paycheck, probably. But uh, I get everybody, I get everybody yelling at me, anyways. So I can, I, I can always go in front of reporters and just answer no questions. Uh, let me throw this one at you. Uh, I mean, Nygaard and Haas speak English as a linesman. Did you ever have to try to communicate with players who? 
didn't speak English very well or weren't sure what you were trying to explain to them? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, when some of the uh, first guys came over, you know, you, you, you'd be talking to them and you'd have a, oh, I'm just trying to think of somebody, uh, like in Quebec, you know, um, uh, a Stassi would come over and say, um, he don't speak English very good, but he understands it. So you just sit there and just, he just says, don't give him too much. Just tell him what you want him to do and then just leave it at that. And it's like, thank you very much. That's all we're going to do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's, well, I guess that's about the only approach you, you could take for sure. All right, Mike. Uh, we love having you on the show. I mean, we connected uh, two or three years ago after uh, after you moved on from your NHL career. It's always fun to just get your perspective on a, on a bunch of different things going on in the NHL. I'm sure a lot of hockey fans by now have seen the uh, Evander Kane video from Sunday. He got uh, uh, suspended three games for shoving Kyle Murchison. Uh, after, well, I mean, he was going after a player on Vegas. Uh, the linesman got involved. Kane was unhappy, and uh, and there was the shove, and he was suspended. I mean, you've obviously watched this. You've had to deal with angry players. Kind of take me through your thought process of, of what broke down there, how the linesman behaved, how the player behaved. Well, first off, I mean, Kyle is doing what the league has asked us to do. Um, they've asked us if two players are engaging that are not involved in the play, um, and we have an opportunity to try to get in and kind of get them away from each other. Um, they want us to do that because eventually, if you don't, um, they're going to engage, and then the referee's got to blow the whistle, and then you're going to have penalties anyways. So their their mandate to us is if you can stop it before it starts without without putting yourself at risk or any of the players, then that's what they wanted. You know, they want us to do. So. Um, and my understanding is I don't know what time uh, was left in the game, but uh, just listening to uh, 960 this morning, um, I heard it was a rough game and they were so going at each other. Left. Yeah, so, you know, it's one of those where it's like, okay, if we can keep these guys apart and not have a fight or anything else happen, then, uh, you know, that was his mindset. Um, and, you know, I, I, I heard the report that you know evander thinks he's getting picked on i mean that's just ridiculous we only react to what the players are doing so if he's running around all night he's going to be a focus of what we're doing we're going to try to get in there and stop him from doing stuff instigate things so that we don't get we don't get the escalation of all that other stuff that happens so you know from kyle's perspective i know exactly what he was doing he was trying to keep them away um unfortunately um when they, there was the separation and he was kind of in between them and um, Evander was skating up the ice, he kind of puts his hand on him and I don't think he, now I've only seen the video twice and I, I should have seen where he was looking at, but I don't think Kyle turned to see that uh, England was coming back towards where Evander was. Evander wasn't, Evander I think was taking a straight line going up the ice and Derek was started to come at him and I don't know if something was said or whatever, but Kyle reacted to grab Evander, and I think all he was trying to do was kind of uh, veer him off towards the boards and, and away from Derek. But I think just in looking at it, as he goes to kind of push him towards the boards, and not push him, but um, direct him towards the boards, I don't know if their skate hit, you know, if their skates touch or he hits um, he hits a rut or something. But all of a sudden they fall down, and then the rest of that stuff happens, which is you know un unfortunate. But um, you know, from from my perspective, 
I mean, Kyle didn't grab him and throw him to the ice or any of that. I think as Evander's, you know, like like we all try to do, as Evander's falling down, our natural reaction is to try to grab him so that we can kind of brace brace his fall so that he doesn't fall and not be able to protect himself. Well, he's uh, he's got the three-game suspension, so uh, that's the latest there for Evander Kane. Going to cost him uh, over $100,000, obviously. That goes to the Players' Emergency Assistance Fund. In your days as a linesman, I mean, like you said, you you, you, you got to get in there. There's the mandate. I mean, the NHL doesn't want a lot of fighting. They don't want any incidents like that. But did you ever have a situation where maybe you caught a player by surprise and he thought he maybe initially he thought you were an opponent grabbing him or you or you kind of had to say well wait it's me and you might have not accepted it but you might have realized okay he might jostle me a little bit but as long as he doesn't shove me or punch me i'm just going to calm him down yeah i mean early you know i i'd say in the mid 90s you know we we would go in and um at that point it was the league wanted us to stop fights before they happened um, whether we were by ourselves or not, and it became kind of a dangerous situation for us. So that's when they just said, okay, if, when you're going in, um, if, if you can do it in a manner that you're not going to put yourself at risk, then do it. If not, let them fight, and then we'll, we'll clean it up later. But, yeah, there's many there's many nights that I've grabbed guys, and they're so um, focused on the opposing player that they don't even realize it's me. So, you know, you go in and you separate them, and you might get a push, or the guy might say, "Get your hands on," and then and, and then they look at you like, "Oh, it, it's uh, it's it's the lines where oh it's oh it's Mike," and it's like, "Okay, you know what? You're not allowed to do that." And they're like, "No, no, I didn't mean to do that." And you're like, "Okay, it's generally um, you know that they didn't do it on purpose." Mike, so you always accepted you always accepted the the fact that you know they're they're engaged, they, and you can t- kind of tell by where their heads look in and and just where their eyes are. So you just kind of do it at that. And, I, you know, I don't know how, like, uh, again, I didn't see how hard he swung his stick at Kyle. So, I, I, you know, I, I don't know if it was if it was one of those, you know, uh, get up and, you know, I don't I don't like the way you put me to the ice or something. Um, you can't tell that from the video. Mike Civic, former NHL linesman, joining us tonight at Inside Sports. Yeah, this, this, this is an interesting one. Like I said, Kane's pretty unhappy about it, but there's no doubt he... He, he, he did get physical with the linesman. This, uh, I mean, this used to be the players are excited, the fans are excited. No one ever asks the officials how they're feeling the, the night before <laughs> opening night. Well, we're, we're just as excited as, as, as the players to get going. Cause, you know, when, well, when I first started, you know, our uh, training camp was three weeks in exhibition season. I think some nights we ended up, uh, uh, I think a couple of years I did like 13 or 14 exhibition games. And you're like, well, that's enough already. Like, let's just get the regular season started. Because that's, that's, that's when you get your full rosters. Because back then, the exhibition season, they just threw like everybody that wasn't going to be on the team in your first three games. And all it was was fight after fight after fight after fight. Then... Then when they started pairing guys, you know, okay, this guy's going to Europe, this guy's going back to his junior team, this guy's already on his way to the American League, and then they started to fill those spots in with, with the regulars. And as, as you got along, more the more regulars got into the game, it was like, okay, now they're starting to get their their timing and their groove in, and that's when we started to get our timing and, and, and stuff on, you know, in place. And then you're just going like, okay, when's game one? When, when, when 7 10 puck drop? When are we going here? Right. <laughs> Did you? Uh, I got to throw one more at you here. I, I had Travis Toomey on the show a few weeks ago, former U of A Golden Bear. He's got an NHL AHL deal, the lines for this season. Did you get to work with him in his development? That is all because he came along pretty fast. 
I think I saw him once up in Grand Prairie. Um, I was up there doing a, a hockey. Uh, I was the guest speaker at a hockey tournament, so I went and dropped the puck and then uh, talked to a bunch of referees. And then I watched the uh, Grand Prairie uh, play, uh, I think, Fort Knox that night. And I right. think he was one of the linesmen there. So, you know, I, I, I might have, you know, briefly talked to him once, you know, just about you know, whatever I, I noticed that night. But I, I didn't know him, but, you know, good, good for him to, you know, get that, uh, that that chance to go professional. Well, I mean, you heard the Holland clip talking about guys that can skate. I mean, you need linesmen that can skate, and I think it helped Travis too. I mean, he played for the U of A, played in the WHL. They, you, they, they can skate, and they know the game mentally, right, to anticipate the plays and where the puck and the men might be going. Yeah, you know, and, and it's it's kind of cool that you know the the league is getting um, those type of individuals interested. You know, when they're done their hockey career and they still think they have a chance. The only thing is, we have to retrain them. To we got to get them out of the the hockey player mind and get him into the officiating mind because sometimes it takes a little while longer to get them switched over because they still sometimes watch the game as a hockey player and not as an official. Right. That's, that's a good point. Mike, it, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. It's a home run whenever you're on. I always appreciate your perspective because, you know, we don't get to talk to the linesman and the ref while while they're in the league. So it's nice that you can kind of maybe tell us what they're what they're thinking or, or going through. Uh, what, what, what do you got going on this season? Are you still doing some mentoring or what, what's up? Yeah, actually, I just uh, this summer took um, – a job with the Hockey Super League. I'm the director of officiating and recruiting, so um, we're working on uh, trying to recruit some young guys into our league and uh, mentor them through. We've gone from, uh, well, not we, but the Hockey Super League has gone from uh, 18 to 32 to uh, we're up around 77 teams this season, so we've got a busy schedule. And I just found out tonight at my daughter's volleyball game that – we have a series in Lake Cowichan, so I might be flying out there to do a quick referees camp on uh, the differences between our rules and uh, Hockey Canada and uh, I guess it would be Hockey BC out there. But uh, that's, uh, that's keeping me busy. It, it's fun. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm having a good time talking. Uh, I did a uh, coaches clinic out in uh, Banff this past weekend on uh, – the differences between uh, body checking and body contact and uh, it was really good because we had the coaches we had the players and we actually had some parents in the room while I was doing the, the, the presentation to them all and it's uh, it's something that the league um, you know Stephen and Tyler who run the league are uh, really um, out-of-the-box thinkers and it really I think helps not only the coaches the players and the officials because I also had one of those in Edmonton where I had a bunch of coaches and officials in the same room while I was talking about bench communication, communication between the players, communication with the coaches, and we went through the body contact stuff again. And it was uh, it was a fantastic session because it gets everybody on the same page. And I had a lot of the coaches come over to me and say, you know what, Mike, we've never we've never heard this perspective from an official as to how you guys view the game. We always think everything is, you know, you missed it, you didn't, you know, you, you you chose not to call it and stuff like this. And they go, now that we have a better understanding, he goes, you know, they're hopefully less likely to lose their mind behind the bench. And I told them, I said, hey, you know what? We're not going to get it right all the time. There's going to be plays that we look at that you think are penalties that we're not going to call. And then you're going to have plays that you think you guys sh- should get a power play that we don't react to. 
I said, that's that's where my job and, and Norm, who's the referee in chief, I said, because we're going to watch it pretty much every weekend. We're going to be in the rink watching games. That's where we come in. We'll teach our guys, but we need you to control yourself and to control your players when these situations happen because that's we're, we're all learning the game here. I said, I'm not the end. I'll be all of, of officiating, and I don't even pretend to say that I am. But I said, I think I, I, I can give these guys some information to help them better. And if you guys don't overreact to things that sometimes you don't understand where you overreact, and then at the end of the game, when you get my explanation, it's not that bad, it, may, it makes the game go better. And I said, the kids are out there for an hour and 15 minutes. I said, the game's about the kids. Let's, let's make the hour and 15 about the kids, not about me arguing against you if I'm the referee, because that doesn't do anything for anybody. Mike, well said. That's a perfect explanation of what you're experiencing as uh, as an official. And I'll also say this. Maybe the next time you retire, you won't be quite as busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to figure out how I did all this while I was traveling. I'm yeah. like, geez, I got no time when I'm at home. But how did I do this when I was in San Jose? <laughs> <laughs> Mike, we'll talk again soon. Thank you so much for your time, man. Outstanding. Oh, no, thank you, Reed. It's always a pleasure talking to you. That is Mike Civic checking in, former NHL linesman. Good perspective there on the uh, Evander Kane incident. And, and, yeah, he's working now to mentor linesmen. And, and, and I will say this, and I know we all get mad at the officials. And, and, hey, look, sometimes I'm critical as well. If you're in the NHL, if you're a referee or a linesman, there are, are high standards. If there's a mistake made, I think we should talk about it. But as he said, they're not trying to get the play wrong. They, they usually have a, a reason for why they made that decision. Anyway, good to, do it. Good to talk to Mike. We will uh, step into the acting community. He plays Riley on Letterkenny. He's the son of Oilers assistant coach Jim Playfair. You will meet Dylan Playfair when we get back. Paddleboat texting in. What's the deal with... Your show, uh, Dave Tippett says he needs to have a procedure done tomorrow, will not be available to play. This portion of Inside Sports presented by Furnace Family. Experience the Furnace Family difference. Your furnace replacement specialist with over 500 five-star Google reviews. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. Dylan Playfair, the son of Oilers assistant coach Jim. He plays Riley on Letterkenny. I was talking with Dylan at practice this morning about his dad joining the Oilers. I was thrilled. We were all thrilled. We were excited to see him back uh, back in the saddle. So he, uh, It's cool, actually. He was drafted in 83 by Edmonton. So my whole life growing up, I, I had this idea of him playing as an oiler and to, to see it come full circle was really cool for our family and to come with with Dave Tippett I mean that family's been really good to us we got really close in Arizona so to be able to come back with these guys and and, and see them on the ice together it's a really cool feeling all right so you know your dad a hockey player what was your sporting background like did you have skates when you were two years old or what was the path you hit the nail on the head yeah two years old I was on the ice I actually got photos uh, learning to skate before I could walk so he was grooming us young but uh, uh, I, I grew up around the rink, you know, we had tape balls instead of tennis balls in our house and uh, spent a lot of time watching him play and coach and then 
Uh, yeah, I, I played junior till I was 19, and both my brothers played in the Western League. I played in the BCHL, and my middle brother still plays in the uh, in the coast in Orlando. So, hockey's very, very, uh, very dear to us, and it's in our blood, you could say. So, where did the artistic and the acting streak come from? Where did that get going? You know, I think I think I got that from. Uh, survival mechanisms playing hockey I was uh, if people look at my statistics I had to be a dressing room guy I had to entertain the boys on the bus it was a bit of a sink or swim situation so uh, when uh, when that career came to an end it just kind of made sense you know I enjoyed telling stories I enjoyed watching movies and uh, you know figured if I could if Taylor Kitsch could do it he's another guy who played in the in the in the same league I did I figured if he could do it, I can do it. <laughs> well, and I, and I, whenever I interview, uh, you know, an, an artist of any type, and I've, you know, got to talk to some musicians over the years, I think you can draw parallels, right? I mean, you put in a lot of work behind the scenes, practice, rehearsal, and then you have a limited window to perform, and then sometimes you're performed as either applauded or hated, <laughs> depending on how it goes. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, the parallels between hockey and film are, are there's many, many of them, and. Um, I mean, you, you said it perfectly. You you put in the work when other people aren't watching, and and that's that's what sets you apart from a lot of the your competition. That's what I found. I got really fortunate. I mean, I started acting within two years. I was paying the bills doing that, and I think it's because of how I approached auditions. I approached them just like tryouts, and I and I tried to do something that I figured other people wouldn't be doing in the room. I prepared for eight, twelve hours sometimes on certain auditions, and just you know, like I was saying before, I I, I had to work really hard to get the career that I had playing hockey and I just sort of applied those same those same mentality and uh, work ethic uh, ideologies to the to the craft and it's it's worked out really well I've been really lucky why do you think letter Kenny has connected with people I think a it's because it's honest volcanoes. you know it's made by people Is who it, it's our sense of humor and, and I think Jared writes it for uh, for himself and and for his friends and we all think it's funny and uh you know, people share our sense of humor, and, and everybody seems to know someone from Letterkenny, especially in Canada. So it resonates with small town living, and it's awesome. Now, is the hair for the role, or is that your everyday hair? <laughs> uh, you know, when I <laughs> I did have to grow it out a little bit for the for the movie, uh, for the the TV series, I should say. But uh, it's a bit of both. I'd be lying if I said I didn't enjoy it. And uh, it's just nice that I, I legally can't cut it so my dad can't trip me for it. <laughs> it's in my contract. <laughs> All right, that is Dylan Playfair. Jim, his dad, assistant coach for the Oilers. And, of course, Dylan is in Letterkenny. Cool to meet him at practice today. Tomorrow, 6 o'clock face-off show. Game at 8 right here on 630 Jet. Oilers, Canucks. Talk to you then. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.